Now, isn't it wonderful to have... Can you hear me? Yep. Isn't it wonderful to have kids in our service? Not just hearing the, the cries of a no newborn and a, and a noisy child, but, but also um, seeing them gathered together to hear about God's love for them. Uh, Jake, I'm sure you're going to have some kids ask you, how did you do that? Not just some kids, but probably some adults as well. So our passage is from um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 25 this morning. If you've got your Bibles open there, if not, you can follow along on the screen. Verse 13 of chapter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you shall put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honour everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you, are, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let me pray. Lord God, again we ask that you would speak to us, each one of us, through your word and, and through what you have given me to say this morning. Lord, I pray that, that where there be sin, that you would convict, where there be change of behaviour needed, that you would transform where there be submission needed, that you would enable us to submit to every human institution. As we come around your word now, Lord, we pray that you would teach us, encourage us and equip us to live a life dedicated to you in a world that is hostile towards you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. No, too far. 
Now I'm back to the start. See, PowerPoints, they're, they're my world's worst, the world's worst enemies, aren't they? How are we going, Matt? Isaac had trouble with his last week, now I'm having trouble as well. Okay, let me start regardless and I'll keep on clicking. There was a study done uh, with a group of, of symphony orchestra people and they were asked how they perceived one another. And there was some, some strong um, and yet general negativity even in the musicians' description of their own sections. The brass section was described as loud and macho and aggressive, while the percussionists were described as unintelligent, fun, <laughs> wild, crazy and deaf. Can you relate, Adam? Where is he? <laughs> the woodwind players were described as quiet and meticulous, finicky and intelligent, while the strings were described as frustrated and stuffy, prima donna wimps. Now, when you have a group of different people with different, um, different perceptions of each other, how on earth are they able to make music? Only one way, through submission. When they put aside their own feelings, their own wants, their own desires, and they submit to the leadership of one conductor, there's beautiful harmony amongst the leaders, uh, amongst the, the members of the orchestra, and beautiful music for the audience. And this morning in our passage, we are, are told to be submissive in a hostile world. Be submissive to human in institutions in a hostile world. We've spent the last couple of messages being reminded to be holy. And that call to, ho to holiness, Peter reminds us that we are chosen by God, set apart by him, have received mercy, have been made into a new nation, a new people, and we've been recipients of God's grace and favour. But now Peter begins with the, the call to submission, to be subject to every human institution. And he mentions the, governor, the governors and emperors and, and servants being subject to their masters, either good or bad. The reason he, he starts with this, this statement is so that there isn't a, a thinking amongst his readers that, you know, doesn't glory and honour being set apart by God come with, with um, doesn't it come with glory and honour, fame, royalty? After all, you've just called us a royal priesthood. Isn't that a position of stature? Peter's saying that even though Christians are chosen by God, they can also be lowly servants as well. They can and should be prepared for lowly acts of service and acts of submission in a hostile world. If Peter's letter finished at chapter 1 with the call to be holiness and to be set apart by God, we could be excused by being completely Amish and withdrawing from the world. 
But now in the latter parts of, of chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see uh, a call to be engaged with a world that is hostile towards us. And Peter says, engage with this world in a way of being subject to all human authority. Fortunately, um, in Australia, we don't have an emperor, um, but we do have a government system, don't we? One that we love to poke fun at, make all sorts of jokes about. Um, if you read the comics section, there's always a, a joke about the, the government of the day. I do believe that we have one of the best government systems in the world. Would you agree? Regardless of its, uh, its shortcomings, we have a, a really good government system and we have some really good, uh, good people in government as well. Be it in Canberra, be it in, in Brisbane here in our state government, be it in our local governments as well. I'm not sponsored by Labor or Liberal or Greens or anything like that. Peter says that in verse 14, he says that, that these people have been placed in these human institutions by God. Have a think about that for a minute. God has given us the government that he determines we deserve. In fact, let's go even a step further. God has probably been gracious in the government that we have. We probably don't have the government we deserve. Would you agree? I'm not going to bore you with all sorts of governmental speeches and that sort of thing, but I believe that we have a, a really good system of government here in Australia and one, one that we should be thankful for. Winston Churchill says that Many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all-wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government except for all, that, all those other forms of government that have been tried from time to time. On Monday night, Michael Gilver came and, and he addressed us as um, the, the Monday night talk and he used a, a Venn diagram. Now, I wasn't good at school, maths, those sort of things. Apparently, this is called a Venn diagram. And, um, and he used this Venn diagram to explain the difference between Christians and non-Christians. What we are focused upon, what we are concerned about, either when we are saved or unsaved. These two areas he called the city of men and the city of God. And so the city of men is when we are completely self-serving, completely focused on upon ourselves. And the city of God is obviously when, when we are saved, we are welcomed into the family of God and are concerned about the things of God. And I didn't put it in my diagram, but the, 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 the way that they overlap like that is that there's a meeting of what he called the natural law. Places where both cities agree on 
the same thing. Okay, so things like it's not okay to murder, it's not okay to steal, it's not okay to harm children, etc., etc. Those things are called the natural law. Now, I believe that my purpose of bringing this up is, is so that I believe that we are called to be submissive to all forms of human institution up to a point. Until these forms of human institution, government, whatever it might be, start to try and push into the things of God, the city of God, that's the point where we should draw the line and say, no, this is what I believe and this is what I will continue to stand upon. When they try and control more and more things of the the city of God or the, the church, what Christians believe, that's a point where we should start saying, no, I stand up for God on those sort of things. Now, being submissive does not mean being passive, just sitting back and watching our country decay into sin. There are many aspects of, of what we should be doing. There are many aspects of, of being a Christian that, that reflect upon the natural law of things. So speaking out against um, abortion and that sort of thing is, is a, a way for us to be aggressively... Um, Yeah, aggressively moving the, the city of God towards the city of man. Speaking out for, for minorities, those without a voice, those less fortunate than, them, than ourselves, those that are experiencing crisis, domestic violence. But there's a correct way and an incorrect way of, being, of, of speaking out about these things, such as letters, petitions social media, um, these are, are, are good ways of, of speaking out for those in need of our voice. Not through violence or public nuisance, not that any of us would, would involve, be involved in those sort of things. Violence and public nuisance is not a way of showing our submission to God, ultimately, but also to the human institution that we're speaking out against. And I think that we should spend more time praying for our leaders, those in government, those in authority over us, than what we do making fun of them. Do you agree? Now's a good time as any. Pray with me. Lord, we do thank you for the the government that you have given us, the, um, the human institution of of democracy where we each have a say in the things that the laws that are made over us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be subject to all human institutions in a way that that reflects your glory to those around us. We particularly want to lift people such as Scott Morrison and and Tim Mander and, and those who claim to know you who are in positions of authority throughout our country. 
Lord, we lift them to you and we pray for them to, to, to hold their resolve, to hold strong to their faith and the things that, you, that they believe in in order to bring about the good for all humankind here in this country, in our local area, wherever it might be, Lord. We commit them to you now. We pray that you would help us to, to be reminded to pray for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, another thing that we don't have in Australia is servants and masters. Verse 18, Peter mentions servants and masters gives the same instruction for, for his readers to be subject to their masters, both good and bad. What we do have here in Australia is employers and employees. And the principle remains the same. The call to be subject to our employers, both good and bad, remains the same. In the same way that we should pray for our governmental leaders, I think that we should pray for our employers as well. There's a bold step. Imagine the, the impact that we would make. Imagine the change of relationship that would happen if our employers know, knew that we prayed for them, either individually or, or, or collectively. What an impact we could make in their lives. What a change of, of relationship that would make. Now, I am not condoning if you have a bad boss that you go up to them on, on Monday morning tomorrow and, and say, you're a terrible boss, I'm praying for your soul. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not going to make a difference. You might be joining the Senderlink queue on Tuesday. <laughs> But if you were to let your boss know that you appreciate them, appreciate the, their position of authority, appreciate the difficult decisions that come along with it, that you are praying for them, what a testament that would be, both to our maturity but also the difference that God makes in the lives of those who follow him. Because submission is not just exclusive to government or employers, it involves every aspect of our lives. It involves when we drive home this afternoon, this morning, if we obey the road rules and, and submit to the authority of the police, we'll obey the speed limit and the stop signs and the traffic lights. Or if we don't submit whatsoever, we'll, we'll just drive however we like honking our horn and, and telling everyone to get out of our way, speeding, going through red lights. It shows a complete lack of submission, doesn't it? The three-year-old in me says, why do I need to submit? Why? purpose of being submissive or subject to authorities and employers, regardless of whether they're good or bad leaders, is so that it can be seen to bring glory to God. First, firstly, as a witness against those who 
who are foolish, who would, who would try and bring about charges against God's people. Because if our conduct is, is righteous and submissive, we will put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, as Peter says in verse 15. Now this phrase, to, to put to silence foolish people, means literally to render them without a response. Render them speechless. Another purpose of, of submission to authority is as a witness to those who would have a, a, a sense of entitlement. An attitude that says, I, I will only submit to my boss if he is good. Or I will only be a good employee or citizen if the government is good to me. It's not a Christian attitude. It's not a grace-based attitude to have. An attitude based on grace will do what, what is good regardless of whether the recipient deserves it or not. Regardless of whether they are a good leader or not, a grace-based attitude will have submission towards them. A.W. Tozer says that grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits upon the undeserving. Its use to us as sinful, sinful men is to save us and make us sit together in heavenly places to demonstrate to the ages the exceeding riches of God's kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The number one purpose of being subject to human institutions and employers and to bearing up under unjust suffering and so that we will be witnesses of God's grace in our life that we will be witnesses to the grace that is readily available to us and to those who accept Jesus as Lord. To be a witness to the life-changing transformation when a person is taken from being dead in their sins to alive in Christ. John MacArthur says that God is pleased when unsaved people associate Christians with spiritual virtue Righteousness, love, graciousness, humility, and the gospel of salvation rather than protests, placards, and picketing. Again, on Monday night, Michael Gilliver um, challenged us to be involved in more social issues. Social justice issues such as the natural law things speaking up for those who are poor, speaking up for those who are disabled, the homeless, domestic violence sufferers, as I said already. And his, his challenge was to, if we were to do this, if we were to be actively involved in speaking out against domestic violence, speaking out for the poor, for the disabled, then we would have more of a reputation when it came time to speaking up for such things like marriage and the sanctity of man and woman. Abortion. We would have more of a reputation to speak up on the things of God than we do currently. Verse 16 says to live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. 
We should be using the very freedom that comes with the gospel to be witnesses of the grace that has been demonstrated to us by Jesus. Charles Swindoll says that he, he remembers a time when he, he got his, his license and his dad rewarded him with an opportunity to just go for a drive by himself. By himself echoed in his mind as he reversed out the driveway and he's like, yes, this is great. No one to tell me what to do, how to slow down, turn a corner, stop at a stop sign. And he says he, he started to have crazy thoughts like, I bet your dad's car could do easy 160 k's an hour. I could get to, you know, there and back in half the time if I could do that sort of speed. Complete freedom, he said. But the reason he didn't go crazy is because of the close relationship that he had with his father. Over the years, his father had developed a relationship based on trust and love that stopped Charles Swindoll abusing his freedom. And in the same way, the love that has been demonstrated to us through Christ Jesus should stop us from abusing the freedom that he has given us. Most people think of freedom and submission as opposites. If I submit, I'm giving up my freedom to do what I like. But actually in submitting, by submitting, in order to honour God, you're gaining a greater freedom. William Barclay said that Christian freedom does not mean being free to do as we like. It means being free to do as we ought. And in restricting certain freedoms, you gain others. You have the freedom to live your life in the open before others, to let it be on display, to show that and let them scrutinise you regardless of your conduct, that you have nothing to be ashamed of. Whatever accusations they bring against you won't stick. That comes through a life of submission to all human institutions. And the purpose of it is that we can be witnesses, witnesses of God's grace, that we can silence the ignorance of foolish people, demonstrate the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus, a freedom that is to be enjoyed and not abused. Here's the good bit the really good bit. God never instructs us to do something that he's not willing to do himself first. In verse 21 to 25, we see the example that we are to follow. Read it with me. Verses 21 to 25. For, this to, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, 
For you were like straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the example we are to follow. Jesus suffered in our place. He suffered for us. He bore the whipping that we deserve. He was spat on and and beaten, mocked and ridiculed in our place. And all of it was so that we could have the life that God originally designed us for, so that we could have life with God, something that we did not deserve because of our sin. And he leaves us with this example that he, he lived under an unrighteous and unjust rule of Roman and Jewish leaders and yet never sought to overthrow them. He never led a protest rally or engaged in acts of civil disobedience just because he was God. But he always did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Instead of being occupied with political reform, he went about practicing social and spiritual reform. He led a life focused on God's kingdom in complete submission to that. And this is what we are called to do as well. We should be involved in politics in varying ways through petitioning and those sort of things, speaking up for for the values that God sets for us. But we should also be ready to bear up under unjust suffering for the sake of the gospel. Even just for the sake of doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord as well. Because this is the example that we are given. There's many aspects of of Jesus' life and ministry, but few are as glorious as that 24 hours leading up to and including the cross. This 24 hours demonstrates his divinity and humanity, that he is God and man together, that he completed the work of salvation for all who would believe in him. That's sinners just like you and me so that we might have everlasting life, so that we might be able to to be submissive to all forms of human authority, so that we might be able to bear up under unjust suffering just as he did. And it wasn't a moment of weakness when Jesus gave up his life because the Romans were stronger and they had more swords. It was a moment of victory a moment of strength. The penalty for sin was, was made amends for for God's people. The way to God the Father was now clear through Jesus. And this is the example that we have, one that shows us that being subject or submissive to authority is not a sign of weakness but a sign of strength. So we're called to be submissive to all forms of human institution in a hostile world so that we might demonstrate grace and salvation and the freedom that comes with the gospel 
so that we might bring glory to God as his people. And we have a first-rate example in Christ Jesus, a first-rate, perfect example of, of what it means to be submissive. And Peter is compelling us to keep Jesus at the centre of everything that we do. Submit to Jesus, Jesus and follow him and the rest will follow. We're going to have an opportunity to come around the, the communion table now where the elements just clearly and, and vividly display the submission. Submission to the point of death for our sake. As the emblems are handed around, I ask that you would, um, if the stewards can come forward, please, I ask that you would hold on to the cup and, and drink the bread. Uh, no, hold on to the cup and eat the bread in your own time, and then we will drink together as a sign of unity. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the, the example that we have in Christ Jesus. Submission to you as, as his father. Even though he was in every way God, he allowed himself to, to go to the cross out of submission to you. Out of knowing that that you are the one who judges justly, that you are the one who, who longed for your people to have their sins atoned for. And now, Lord, as we remember the, the body that was broken and the blood that was spilt in order to wash us clean from our sins, in order to bring you glory, Lord, I ask that you would work in our hearts this week. Help us to be submissive to all human institutions in order to bring you glory just as Jesus did. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs>